Thank you, brothers and sisters. It's so good to be with you today. And some of you are going, who is this guy? Most of you probably. Because I've never been here before on a Sunday morning. I've never preached here. But I want you to know I have been here before. And it was years ago when there was nothing on this hill but a cross. And a group of people gathered that day and they prayed for you. Prayed for today. Prayed for all that God was going to do in and through the work that is Highlands Church for His glory. And so it is joy for me to be back with you today because I see that those prayers have been answered and that Highlands is a beacon of the light and love of Jesus Christ in this community. And what I want to tell you today is that God is still at work in and through you, that He has a great plan for Pastor Robles and that Highlands has a greater part than you have yet played as that plan continues to unfold. This morning I want to share with you one of my favorite scriptures. It's right in the middle of the book of Ephesians at the end of chapter 3. Ephesians 3 verses 14 through 21. Here the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he's excited about because some really great things are happening through them in the city of Ephesus. So let's hear the word of God. And Lord, speak to us now. Come by the power of your Spirit. Open us to your word and to you. And we pray that you will be glorified in our hearing and doing in response to all that you will say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. For this reason. Now, whenever you see for this reason, you're like, well, what reason is that? To do that, you'd have to back up all the way into chapter 2. Chapter 3 actually begins in the first, for this reason. Then Paul gets distracted. You know, Paul didn't sit there and write his letters. He dictated them to a scribe. And sometimes his mind is going so fast, he says, for this reason, and then he takes off on a tangent, and then he comes back, and that's what he does here. But to find out what that reason is, you have to go back to the second chapter, because that's where we hear that God has created a new people, a people who are not defined by their ethnicity, by their nationality, by how much money they have, or any of the other ways people typically define themselves. God's people are defined by his love for them and by their faith in Jesus Christ. That's all. God has called all kinds of people together by faith in Christ to become one people. A people who live in the peace of Christ, in his shalom. Now, when you hear that word, the peace, we've diluted that in our culture. We don't really know what that means. We tend to think peace is where there's no war, there's no conflict. But in the Bible, peace is much deeper than that. The word shalom has to do when, when everything's right. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life? We don't have them very often, but sometimes there's just a feeling where we sit back and go, oh, it's all good. It really is all good. Everything's right. And that's what shalom is all about. Shalom, peace is about when all is right because we're in right relationship with God and with one another. And Christ comes to give us that. And as his new people, who are sometimes called the church, but here in this passage, called God's family, a people who have Christ's peace, God is doing a new thing as he works in and through us. And Paul concludes chapter 2 with this verse, and in Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. That's the reason. 
That's the reason. Because you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Because you are a new people in Christ, and because God is at work in you through His Spirit to show the world the love and truth of God and what God has done in Christ. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Now that may not seem like a big deal, because a lot of people kneel in prayer, but you need to know that that's not how it was when the Scriptures were written. In the first century, this was the typical posture for prayer. You'd stand with hands upraised. This is how people typically prayed. People got down on their knees when there was a special intensity to their prayer, when they had great humility before God. And Paul says, I'm getting down on my knees here because this is so important. He says, God, I'm awed by what you've done. I'm amazed that in Christ, you are doing a new and wonderful thing in the world. And I'm so glad to see this and to be part of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And this is what Paul wants the Christians at Ephesus to know. That God is awesome. And that God is doing an awesome thing in them. God the Father has an amazing family, which we are part of through His gracious gift in Christ. Praise God. That's where Paul begins. And then Paul says, I want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing on you so that you can fulfill the purpose for which God has called you. Let's continue here. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. His glorious riches. That can also be translated the riches of His glory. And since all glory belongs to God, that is an unlimited resource. An unlimited resource. Do we know that? Do we have any sense of what an unlimited resource is? Hey, this weekend I came uh, to come to bring the word to you today, but uh, my church, Orchid, in Israel, we're all up at uh, Lake Kachuma in Santa Barbara because it's our church's annual camp out. And uh, we have only been at Kachuma. This is only our second year there. Prior to that, we had our camp out for a half a dozen years at Lake San Antonio. <laughs> but something happened. The first year we were at San Antonio, we had our, our boats there and water skiing and all this. And then pretty soon you couldn't do that anymore. And there was this. And then finally, the last time we were there, it was kind of like a mud puddle. And now it's gone. We found out that water is a limited resource. It's a limited resource. But God's grace, the riches of His glory, is an unlimited resource. A few years ago, I was traveling out of state, and we stopped a, at a restaurant to eat, and the, the waiter there was so excited. He was still talking about something that had happened a couple of weeks before. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal had come into the restaurant, and since, you know, Shaq's 7'4", so people recognize him when he comes into a restaurant. And he'd come in, and he'd had his meal, and then he pulled out his card at the end. And the waiter was still talking about this, because Shaquille O'Neal evidently has a credit card that has no limit on it. It's a special kind of card. And the waiter said, I'd heard that these things existed, but I'd never seen one. You know, and Shaq just put out there, means he can buy whatever he wants. There's no limit on this card. No limits. Well, the riches of God's glory is a no-limit kind of thing. God's got more glory than Shaq. 
and he wants to share that glory with you. Now, Paul prays that the gift may strengthen you with power through his spirit. This is possible because the gift God gives to everyone in his family is the Holy Spirit, the living presence of God and the witness to Christ, not just with you, but in you. And brothers and sisters, I think this is one of God's greatest gifts to us and one of the most underutilized in our lives, in most of our lives, because unfortunately, you know, we somehow still think deep within us that somehow we're going to do life on our own. No, thank you, God. I've got it covered. But you can't live for God's glory without God's help. You can't accomplish what God has for you to do without God's empowerment. And that's why after Jesus rose from the dead and met with his disciples, he told them what they were going to do to be his witnesses, bringing a message of repentance and forgiveness wherever they went. But he also told them to wait. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Because Jesus knew that his followers would not be able to do what they were called to do until God equipped them to do it. Until he sent the Holy Spirit to be with them and in them. And that's why when God sends the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church on the day of Pentecost, why it's so important. Because without the Holy Spirit, the church cannot be the church. We cannot witness to Christ. We can't live lives of repentance and forgiveness as new people apart from God's provision. But we've received that provision now. And Paul prays that through the Spirit, we might be empowered so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, which means that Christ might be demonstrated in us, that Christ might live in and through us. Now, now this, this isn't just for our, our personal comfort, it's an empowerment so we can be the windows through which the living reality of Jesus Christ can be seen in the world today. That's the whole purpose of the church. That's why we are here. Not just to talk about Jesus, but to live like Him in our relationships with each other and with those who don't know Jesus yet. That's why God has given us His Spirit. The vast majority of people will not be persuaded that Jesus is alive because there was an empty tomb somewhere 2,000 years ago. That's not a persuasive reason for most people. But when a person experiences an extraordinary love, a consistent graciousness, a completely unexpected forgiveness and mercy from you and me, that shows Jesus rose because then He's clearly alive in us today. That communicates. And brothers and sisters, that's God's purpose. That's His call on our lives. That's why Paul prays for us to be strengthened with the power of the Spirit deep inside so that what God has put into us can then break out in amazing ways as a demonstration of His glory. The glorious power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you and me. That's what Paul says. Let's continue. 17 to 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded, established in love, 
may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There's more here. Next slide. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It all starts with love, doesn't it? It does. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. It starts with the love of God for a broken world, for you and me, love which sent Jesus Christ here to die for us and to rise for us. And so Paul prays that we might be rooted and grounded or established in love. He mixes agricultural and construction images here on purpose for a single point. That we have to be connected to that love if we're going to show it to others. We have to drink it in ourselves as roots take in water for nourishment. And we have to build on it, making God's love the foundation for everything we do. Because there's nothing greater more powerful than the love of God which has been poured out on us in Jesus Christ. And this is what I want to ask you. Do you know that love? Do you know that love? Not do you know about that love, but do you know that love? Knowledge in Scripture, knowledge of God, of His power, of His presence. It's never an abstract thing. It's not we know about God, but we know God personally, experientially. And His love is to be that which we experience every day, every moment. God loves you. That's to be the reality at the core of your identity. If anyone or anything tries to undermine that reality, you need to know that that's a lie and you need to resist it. Because Scripture says nothing, nothing in heaven or on earth, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Jesus Christ. The one undeniable fact of your life is that God loves you. And no one can take that away. No one, nothing can remove that. That love's greater than any of us can fully comprehend. We can't trap it, can't confine it, can't control it. Its width and length and height and depth is more than we can understand or deserve. God's love for us in Christ is the greatest reality of all. And Paul prays that as Christians, we would come to experience this reality more and more because it can never be exhausted. It's another one of God's unlimited resources. There's always more to experience, more to discover, more to grow in as we grow in His love. That love is ultimately transformational. It changes us. It changes how we live and how we relate to others. It sends us out as witnesses and servants of God, taking that love into a world that needs it so desperately. And as we share that love with others, we become more like God. We become more like Jesus. That's the journey we are on. Paul wrote to another church, the Christians at Corinth, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're becoming more like God, more like the Lord Jesus. 
not because of some kind of natural evolution, but because of a supernatural work of God in our lives. So, are you feeling it? Are you living it? Or does this seem out of reach? It's not if we keep our focus in the right place and we understand the source. That's where Paul winds up here in Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is, I think there's a slide here. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now I love this. Usually that's where you stop, right? But that's the middle of Paul's letter. What happens is, when he thinks about this, see, this isn't just a thought to him, this is a reality that he's living, and he gets caught up in it, and he just explodes in praise right in the middle of what he's doing. He's so overcome by the awesome thought of what God is doing that he breaks forth in praise. And it's like that sometimes. Sometimes when we get really close to God, when we sense who God is, there's really no response we can make but worship. And that's what Paul does here. He starts to worship and to praise God. Glory to God. The God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And I love this. Because brothers and sisters, that tells us it's not up to us. You know, boy, if it was up to me to be like Jesus, I'd be in big trouble. You know, we all would be. But God is at work in us to make us more and more like Jesus. It's not about what we feel up to or what we think we can accomplish. It's about who God is and being open to God being more than we know. God is greater than the capacity of our minds to fully comprehend Him. You know, that's one of the reasons why Jesus came. So that we could understand more clearly who God is. And so that we might experience the Father in the glory of His love for us. And Paul says, God's able to do more than we can ask. And He's able to do more in us than we can imagine. The God who made the universe is at work in you and me through His Spirit, revealing Jesus Christ alive and well in His people. In you. In you. And you see, this is the hope of the church. It's not that we're wiser or better than anybody else, but that God is at work in us for His glory. And to that, Paul says, Amen. Yes. Thank you, God. And brothers and sisters, that's why I'm glad to be with you today. Because here in this room, I see the results of the prayers that were said on this hill and many, many other prayers over the years. I see the fruit that's already been born in this place. And I know that God's not finished. There are greater things yet to come. As we experience the continual filling of God's Spirit, as we grow in the experience and the expression of God's love, God has so much more that He's going to do in and through you. In this community of Paso Robles, 
and even around the world. Because God is able. Amen. And amen. Lord God, thank you that you are able. Thank you that you have something wonderful planned and that it's greater than we could ask or even imagine. We praise you for your goodness. And we pray, Lord, for faith to trust that indeed you are the one who is at work within us for your good purpose. Draw us close to you. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us up with your love that we may not just know it ourselves and, and selfishly hang on to it, that we might share it with everyone wherever we go. Make us the blessing for which we have been blessed. And be glorified, Lord. Pour out your glory in and through us, even now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.